Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. Over the weekend, I didn't expect to see any pro-Trump news, but there was a lot of pro-Trump news. But then mm-hmm. amongst all of that, I saw oh, there's going to be a filled day when I get up Monday morning. <laughs> and poof, it was all gone. And then I saw yeah. at ABC, there was like, there's this poll that has Trump way ahead, like 56 over Joe's 42%. I saw that. Yeah, You know, so, you know, he's beating him by double-digit numbers. And... You know, there were all kinds of things, even the people that loathe Donald Trump. Well, speaking of Loathed people that say loathe. he's a better choice than Biden. Well, speaking, ABC of, took it down. speaking of people that loathe Donald Trump, hmm. NBC. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Kristen Welker <laughs> was on with Steve Kornacki, who is their, like, uh, statistician. And this was on Meet the Press. And uh, they were actually surprisingly fair uh, towards Donald Trump. I guess you have to be when, I guess, Trump continues to rise in the poll. He's up by well, a huge percentage. I'll let them explain. This is uh, Kristen Walker talking with Steve Kornacki. I am joined now by national political correspondent Steve Kornacki to take us through all of the numbers. Steve, it's so great to have you here. A lot of headlines in this new poll. Yeah, Kristen, you mentioned an uphill climb for these Republican opponents of Donald Trump. Let's show folks from our new poll exactly how steep it is. Look at this. Donald Trump, brand new national poll of Republican primary voters, nearly 60 percent support the former president. His nearest rival, Ron DeSantis, more than 40 points behind him now. Obviously, you can see here nobody else in Single digits, And look at the movement, too, from the start of the summer. We pulled this back in June. Trump seemed to have a dominant lead then. It has only gotten more dominant from 43 now. It was not even 30 in June. And you can see here, we asked the question. I think this gets to the heart of it. We asked Republicans, should Donald Trump be the leader of your party? And now nearly 60% say yes. It wasn't quite 50 at the start of the summer. Well, Stephen, what's so stunning about this number, a lot's happened since June. We're talking two more indictments against former President Trump, so four in total, and the first GOP primary debate, and yet Mr. Trump is just solidifying his lead with GOP voters. And, and Kristen, you know this from talking to Republican critics of Trump from rival campaigns. Everything you just explained, they thought would take him down a peg this summer, and instead he has only moved up here. You can see the numbers saying the party needs a new leader. That has gone down. So for, for Donald Trump there, nothing but good news. And it Oof. raises this question. If Republicans go forward and nominate Trump again, this is what the rematch in our poll would look like right heat. now. Yeah, they say dead heat there. Actually, no, no, no. if they say a dead heat after all that positive news, uh, they're kidding you. <laughs> they are kidding you big time. Uh, they said 46 to 46 percent. No, no, no. Uh, trust me, uh, Biden is down in other polls big time. Big time. Mm. I mean, uh, and they just don't want to talk about it. Like you said, no. ABC pulled one of their polls because it wasn't good for Biden. Yeah, and the uh, post-ABC poll, 44% uh, said they're worse off the most of any president mm-hmm. in the, the poll. Since I think Ronald Reagan, you know, they had a dip, but he, he turned it around. Joe can't turn it around. Uh, 91% agreed that the cost of food was a ne- negative, a big negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, 87% felt that the same thing about gas and energy prices. 74% are concerned about the state of the U.S. economy and 75% about wages. Huh? Well, I uh, I was wondering, what would the, uh, the media do to try to offset this bad uh, poll news for the Biden administration? Well, it didn't take me long to see what they were going to do. They, they wheeled out the oh-so-ever-popular Hillary Clinton Oh yes, yes she was. Hillary. She was wheeled out. Uh, Jen Psaki did an in-depth interview with Hillary Clinton. They Jen, were, oh, oh unbelievable! They were talking about uh, about the reasons for why they should be concerned about the twenty twenty four election, and of course, Hillary pointed to her favorite target. Russia, Russia, Russia. Vladimir Putin uh, has obviously your friend, your friend and mine. Uh, yes, indeed. He has uh, intervened in our election in the past. Right. It's not something, as you experienced firsthand, it's not something we talk about a lot. Do you fear that that is something that could be happening for 2024? And do you think we should be talking about it more? Well, I think we should be talking about it more because I don't think, despite all of the 
uh, you know, deniers, uh, there's any doubt that he interfered in our election or that he has interfered in many ways in uh, the uh, internal affairs of other countries, funding political parties, funding, you know, political candidates, uh, buying off, uh, you know, government officials in different places. So that is his opus, uh, uh, you know, his his opus operandi in the sense that he hates democracy. He particularly hates the West, and he especially hates us. And he has determined that he can do two things simultaneously. He can try to continue to damage and divide us internally, and he's quite good at it. Mm. And sadly, he has a lot of apologists and enablers uh, in our own country, people who either don't see the danger or dismiss it out of hand or maybe agree with some of the uh, you know, positions he's taken uh, on certain things, including uh, his barbaric invasion of Ukraine. And so dividing us and then trying to seize territory uh, in such a uh, brutal way to try to expand his reach, to try to restore the Russian empire, if not the former Soviet Union, that is who he is. I said that for years. Part of the reason he worked so hard against me is because he didn't think that uh, he wanted me uh, in the White House. So we are where we are. And part of the challenge is to continue to um, explain to the American public that, you know, the kind of leader Putin is, this authoritarian dictator who literally kills his uh, opposition, kills journalists, poisons people uh, who disagree with him, invades other country, interferes with our election. Um, that is part of the alternative we have to reject in this election. We have to reject authoritarianism. We have to reject a kind of creeping fascism almost of people who uh, are really ready to turn over their thinking, their votes uh, to want to be dictators. And we can't allow that to proceed. So I think it's I think it's fair to say that, uh, y you know, you have a tough job because you have to talk about what's happening in the news, but you also have to keep people's eyes on what's right behind the horizon. And I fear that, um, you know, the Russians have proved themselves to be quite adept at interfering. And uh, if he has a chance, he'll do it again. Possibly the uh, most corrupt person on the political mm -hmm. landscape telling us her opinion about uh, why she failed. She failed because she was a bad candidate. Yeah. But she just can't, she can't uh, acknowledge the fact that she was, so she has to have a villain. Her villain will be forever the Russians. Well, yeah, R is the first letter letter in the Hillary alphabet, I guess. Russia, Russia, yeah. Russia. It's always been that way. He's a villain. He's got to poison and kill people. Excuse me, but the United States has poisoned and killed people, too. That's something that spies do. We have spies among us in our country. Yes, we do. We deploy them. You know, governments are evil things. And she, she should know she headed up some of that evil doing stuff. Listening to her is like a whoopee cushion. But, you know, deflating. But do you, <laughs> the, uh, the thing about Hillary, though, is she's telegraphing the message that they're going to try to put out there, I believe, for the remainder of the political season. And they're going to be saying that the reason why Trump is so successful and so popular isn't is because, because he's charismatic, isn't because his policies are spot on. It's because the Russians and Vladimir Putin are promoting him, are backing yeah. him. That's not the case, folks. That is not the case. This lady is trying to put a, a, a narrative out there so you believe it, and you don't believe what what you're seeing is is actually truthful. This this lady has been lying from the first time she got involved with politics. You can go back to Arkansas and Bill. They used to call it the Arkansas Mafia. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> we you know look. I I had guys in black suits at at the door of a radio station one time because one of the shows that we had. Um, well, you know the guy. Anyway, but yeah, we, we were told to cease and desist. 
And I called the attorney. We had to. And it all was while Hillary and Bill were in the White House. And, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, the, the, the meanest stuff and everything. She is an evil, evil, evil person. She is. And, and you know, and, you know, uh, there are a lot of people who just, she's like a religion to them. They just can't believe the truth about her. And it's, it is so blatantly obvious to anybody who's paying attention. She was, by the way, in my opinion, the brains behind Bill's campaigns. It was her manipulation, her, mm. her spin, the use of operatives in different areas of the political landscape that made Bill the success he was. I mean, Bill had a great smile, good hair. He could speak very well, loved to talk. It was a charming guy. Anybody who has met him will tell you he's a charming guy, the kind of guy you enjoy having a, a beer with. But uh, whether he was the political brains behind the entire game of politics, no, that was Hillary. And she mm. still thinks she has a place on that landscape in that game. I would not be surprised. You know, Bill, they're talking about everybody's starting to say, well, you know, it's obvious Biden is not capable of competing in 2024. He'll never win. He's maybe the weakest president, incumbent president in our history. He, he's done. Okay, so who right. do you get? And I don't think Michelle Obama, like a, a lot of people say, well, she's, I don't think she's the answer because I think there's. So who do you think is the answer? I think they're going to go back to Hillary. And I think Hillary thinks they're going to go back. How old is she? Hat in hand. I don't think she cares. She's one of these people who believes that, let's say she's uh, 77. You know, I think she believes that she's as sharp as a tack and she can compete with anybody on the political stage. And, you know, maybe that's the case. I don't don't believe she has the dementia issue that Joe has. And I think she knows that. And I think she, she figures, and especially if she's going up against Trump, because Trump is a contemporary to her, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to go well, begging for her, and that's the thing she wants. She doesn't want to ask for the job. She wants the Democratic Party to ask her to rescue them on the political landscape. What do you think? Well, you might be very well right on that, and I think that if they do ask her, it is a death knell for them because yeah. I really think she's going to lose again. you got to understand something. It, you know, she says, oh, the election was fixed. Well, it was fixed on her side. She could not she could not win with a rig system against an unknown yeah. Mr. Donald Trump. She couldn't win against that with everything stacked in her favor. And the reason is, and if Democrats were honest, because I know a diehard liberal that's all against Trump, but voted for Trump because he hated Hillary. He loathed her because of all the evilness and everything that she spews. She is hated, you know, and it's a hard thing to admit that nobody likes you, but Hillary, <laughs> let me, let me give you a news flash. Nobody, nobody likes, likes you. <laughs> you stink. Well, I, I think you have to be more open about your feelings, Bill. And yeah, <laughs> yeah open I mean, up. you know, don't, a dirty diaper hide, smells better than she does. You don't know? hide Just behind please. that shell, please, right? All um, right I won't. Yes. She stinks. Oh, thank you very she, much. Hillary is still, you can say that, I can say that, but trust me, that means nothing to her. She thinks that she is entitled to the presidency. She was... In her mind, the next in line and a long came the night of the the election bill, the night of the election, they she had, had fire plans. They had fireworks on barges in in the Hudson River. They were getting ready to fire them off because they were convinced that it was gonna be a Hillary landslide up well, until nine o'clock that night. They were all in. And then all of a sudden things started to change. You know, now here's a thought because uh, you know Trump was interviewed. He didn't. He didn't say. He mentioned the one governor up north that was South Dakota, I think it is, uh, the lady. Either way, they'd asked him uh, what his feelings were. I don't have the story in front of me, but they asked him about who he might, and he said, "Oh yeah, you know, she might be good, and she she's the one that gave him the big uh, endorsement." But either way, you know, Christy, it um, is. Um, Oh, I know who you're talking about. A smart young woman. Um, yeah. 
from South Dakota, and I now now I'll have to think about it. Go ahead. You, well, that? anyway, but, the, but my point is there are actually two women Christy contenders no. out. That's Christy, her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, you know the lady from Arizona, what uh, Carrie uh, Lake. Uh, Don't ask me to do this twice. <laughs> uh, but either way, she's he's got two possible contenders, and I thought you know the game changer for Trump could be, and he can't really telegraph it, but we can. Uh, it would be if he had. All right, let's say Christy Nome is not the choice. Right, gets a cabinet position or holds that seat that she has right now because we need the Republican stronghold with the promise that, okay, not only am I going to come back in and right the ship, I am going to put a crew in place that is going to be a female tag team, two women that will come in after him. And if you know that Trump is coming in with a woman VP and – that VP is probably going to be the next president, along with a VP that's a woman vice president. Women can, they're, they're good at running things. And maybe we need to, you know, sit there and say, let, let them set the stage and uh, let it be the decade of the women. Well, you know, it's, an interesting, shot. it's an interesting theory. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Trump has always been a big woman supporter. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, politically. Uh, he is a, he's the kind of guy that believes that... Uh, Inequality, and it wouldn't surprise me. Would it be a me. game changer if he did well, that? Well, no, it would be a big game changer. Yes, but I, I it would not surprise me if he set something like that up for the twenty twenty eight election. But well, yeah, he got to. He's got to get in in twenty twenty four. Let they let his coattails bring in right the next administration. Because one thing people are afraid of right now. Uh, you know, like, you know, the Michelle thing that's out there. Well, oh, we got Michelle, you know, and there's a generation out there right now that doesn't think, you know, like a vice president that's, uh, that's going, okay, I've been in here four years as VP. They don't think they should get two years as president. They think they might, they shouldn't even get one year, but if, or one term, but if they do, you know, that's it. They shouldn't get two terms. And Michelle, technically, is that just not an extension of the Obama thing coming back in? He had his time. He did his damage. Michelle's just going to reenact everything that he did. You know, forget about the color of her, her skin, his skin, whatever. Uh, we forget can, about the sexual We can identity. talk about this, Bill, till the cows come home. They're coming. They are. <laughs> but I, I have a... I have another piece of audio I want to play, right. and it's a little long, but it's worth listening to. Uh, right. Yesterday, Matt Gates was a guest oh, on was, uh... the uh, morning f- program on Fox with Maria Bartiromo, and Maria is a conservative, a bit more traditional conservative than some. You know, she's she, but she's a conservative, and she's somebody that I enjoy watching because she's usually right over the target. But yesterday, I think she was a little off the target. And so did Matt Gates, and Matt Gates and her got into a bit of a contest on the air, but it's worth listening to. Listen, Matt Gates with Maria Bartiromo. Now joining us, one of the people holding up an agreement uh, to fund the government, Florida Republican Congressman Matt Gates. Uh, Congressman, thank you very much for being here this morning. Oh, thank you. I, I'm glad I get to respond to your monologue, because if you're saying that I'm standing in the way of all the Republican wins, I'd love you to enumerate them. Watching my friend and mentor, Jim Jordan, it was it was quite painful because he started by saying we should only pick one fight, the border. But then as the interview went on, he said, well, we should pick a second fight, Jack Smith. And by the time the interview rounded out, he was saying that we shouldn't be funding Ukraine without a plan. And yet the very continuing resolution that you and Jim Jordan seem to be for continues to have $300 million more for Ukraine. So I I think we ought to fight on all fronts. I think the border is very important. And the best way for us to advance the Republican border policies is to pass the Department of Homeland Security Appropriations Bill, do that along with veterans, defense, ag, state and foreign ops. We'll have 73 percent of the discretionary uh, budget funded. And if, you know, the Department of Labor and Education have to shut down for a few days as we get their appropriations in line, uh, that's certainly not something that is is uh, optimal. But I think it's better than continuing on the current path we are to America's financial ruin. 
Congressman, I understand, and that is why you are on this program this morning, because I want to give you a fair shot, and I want to get your, you uh, heard. So tell me why you are threatening Speaker McCarthy and trying to shut down this government uh, at a time that the Republicans have finally gotten some upper hands here uh, in terms of wins, able to investigate President Biden on what looks like uh, bribery. Yeah, we don't put our pencils down in the investigation of President Biden during a shutdown, so the premise is false. Second, if Kevin McCarthy was actually serious about pursuing the Bidens, he would have sent Hunter Biden a subpoena by now. That's how you know this is sort of failure theater that you're observing. During the first year of Democrat control of the Congress, they brought in Donald Trump Jr. three times over nothing, over a nothing burger. And so we seem to be fundamentally unserious in our oversight. But what is serious is the fact that we are spending more than seven trillion dollars a year, bringing in around five trillion dollars a year. And uh, it, I want to fund the government. I'm not pro shutdown, but the way to fund the government is not the same way we've been doing it since the mid 90s, where it's one up or down vote on the entire government all at once. We should have separate single subject spending bills. Kevin McCarthy promised that in January. He is in breach of that promise. So I'm not here to hold the government hostage. I'm here to hold Kevin McCarthy to his word. Are there Freedom Caucus members also out of compliance? They were also on the Appropriations Committee. Where is the responsibility for them? Are they also out of compliance? No, uh, I'm not a member of the Freedom Caucus. I'll let them speak for themselves. But take, for example, the border. This issue you think is has great primacy, and I would agree with you. The Department of Homeland Security Appropriations Bill was passed out of the Appropriations Committee in June, and yet Kevin McCarthy hasn't put it on the floor in more than 100 days. Th that is not serious. You know why Kevin McCarthy didn't move our border appropriations bill? Because the lobbyists and the special interests who own Kevin McCarthy want to put us in this position where we're backed up against the wall facing shutdown politics and what that does is it centralizes power to the people that they buy off with PAC donations and lobbyist donations and then the membership doesn't get to make real 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 contributions to that process i'm trying to democratize it the bills are being worked on. You just heard Jim Jordan say that they are efforting four bills this week, appropriations bills this week to get through. That would partially fund the government. Uh, the defense bill as well, you wanted the defense bill to move forward, did you not? Yes, that's why I voted for it, and I voted for the rule to proceed onto it. And by the way, don't give Kevin McCarthy credit for the fact that we're moving on to these four appropriations bills. That was the deal that House conservatives foisted upon Kevin McCarthy. When he couldn't just move the big spending bills without moving the bills that cut spending, we said, no, 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 you have to move bills like the state and foreign ops bill because we don't think we should be borrowing money from China to go fund gay pride parades in Prague or LGBTQ uh, you know, seminars in Indonesia. We don't think that that's a good use of our money. And the right. only way to do this, Maria, is line by line. Kevin wants it in one big up or down vote. Keep the government open. Shut it down. I'm saying single subject spending well, bills. It's the only way to break the fever and liberate ourselves from this out of control spending. Well, he's doing the four bills next week. So Cause I we're mean, making him because we're making he's him. doing it. So to push now to blow up all of the wins that you all have had now, which seems wins? Please enumerate that. Well, okay. Well, how about the fact that he has set up a weaponization committee to investigate the DOJ, whether they're involved in a cover-up? How about process. the fact that he has... Hold on. Wait how about the fact that he... Hold on. How about the fact that he has set up the China Select Committee to keep China to account? And, of course, he has launched this uh, inquiry into impeachment, potentially, for President Biden. Is that not what you want? None of those things are deliverables. Those are steps in a process. The setting up a committee is an end unto itself only in Washington, D.C. The American people demand results. Hold on, I'll let you talk, okay, Maria. Go ahead, these, go ahead. these committees have done nothing to reduce inflation. They've done nothing to actually constrain the Biden government. We can set up committees and have hearings and yell at people, but at the end of the day, if we still send the check to fund a weaponized government, having a weaponization subcommittee is little relief to the American people. And if any of this was serious, we would be sending out subpoenas and compelling process the way the January 6th committee did. We should yeah. be operating like them. Instead, we're playing patty cake with the Bidens. We're allowing Actually, them to get away with it. And we're yeah. funding it. We're sending the money. If we were serious, use this, the power of the purse. The speaker joined me a week ago and told me that he will, in fact, subpoena Hunter Biden. He said at the appropriate time. But let's be well, clear. Been eight months. We would not when, when know do you any think of the appropriate 
appropriate time is. How many months do the American people have to wait before that subpoena is sent? You tell me. We would. We would not know any anything that we know about the Biden family. 176 suspicious activity reports, 20 shell companies set up while he was vice president, the whistleblower testimony. We would not know any of this if not for those committees that he set up exposing all of this. We just right, heard from Merrick Garland last it. week. But you, you have to follow that to its natural conclusion. It's not enough to expose facts that get people angry and animated. You then have to follow those facts to a conclusion and to accountability. You see, that's what Republicans... Republicans are bad at. We're great at having the hearings and putting on the performances, but if you're still going to underwrite Biden's debt, which is what Kevin McCarthy did joining with Democrats on the debt limit deal, and if you're going to join up with Democrats to see, still fund his are government, you? Merrick Garland will sit there and he'll answer my tough questions and he'll smirk at me or he'll obfuscate. And then guess what? He goes back to the Justice Department and the coffers are full with money from the American taxpayer that gets turned against the brave patriots in this country. You know, what about the January 6th? Kevin promised he was going to release the any, I'm still yeah. Well, the January 6th tapes are available to anybody who wants to see them. He gave them and allowed Tucker Carlson and his true. team to see them. No, Maria, they are not available to anyone who wants to see them. That is a that is a factual misstatement. They have been curated for some people in the media and some defense attorneys, but any American cannot you, see any of the January 6th. Are that you is a not false right now indirectly working with Democrats because you are going to allow Chuck Schumer to come up with a continuing resolution next week to fund the government? That's what your actions are doing. That's why some people feel this is a personal vendetta you have against the speaker. No, my vendetta is against a Washington system that allows corruption to put the interests of lobbyists and PACs above the interests of the American people. Kevin McCarthy facilitates that system, and I do deeply resent that. But I'm not working with Chuck Schumer or any other Democrat. I am the one working with House conservatives You're to require single-subject spending bills. No, no, no. You guys criticize me for forcing single-subject spending bills. Then you give Kevin McCarthy the credit for doing it. The reality no, is this agree. is the only way to liberate the single, the single bills. I think the single bills sound well, then why right. Why have you I, done them? It's September. We knew September 30th was coming all year. And Kevin McCarthy has been dilatory. He's been fiddling like as Nero as Rome burns. As we understand it, they're doing this this upcoming week. So we will right, be watching Because that. we are making them. They are doing it with a political gun to their head. And you are welcome, America. And we're going to keep making them do it. Congressman, thank you. Matt Gates joining us this morning. Single subject spending. I, I love it. First of yeah, all, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, what what Congress normally does is lump everything into one package, and you have because to vote on the easy. package. Yes, you can cram a lot of crap into mm-hmm. a package, and what Gates is saying is no. A lot I of wanna, pork in that train. You take these cars apart, you can get rid of that's that That's exactly right. He, you vote for each one of those cars. You don't vote for the whole train. You're damn right. That's that's what the caboose is for, and that's what Congress is. The caboose of that train, and they take inventory of everything that's on that train. We don't have cabooses on trains anymore, but we still have a caboose in Washington. Let's get that caboose to go to work and, and you do know, its job. You know, I, I'm with Gates in that, uh, and I've said that many times on this show. I mean, Congress is notorious, especially Republican-controlled Congresses. They're notorious for a lot of huff and puff but no blowing the house down. I mean, they will yeah. talk about a lot of different things, and they'll talk is talk. Let's have a hearing about this. Let's have a hearing about that, and we're going to show you this and this hearing, and show you that and that hearing. The fact of the matter is, you have no consequence come out of that uh, of those hearings. Mm-hmm. You gotta have consequences, and we don't have them. So Gates is saying enough, enough of that nonsense. We want consequences. I mean, he said in the interview, they uh, Donald Trump Jr. was subpoenaed three times. The, the Democrats had no hesitation. Uh, we mm-hmm. haven't we haven't subpoenaed Hunter Biden yet. Oh, we'll do it at the appropriate time. Well, it's been eight months. When's the appropriate you time? Know, no offense, but uh, Hunter is small potatoes now. And you know what? In in the scheme of things, he's toast. And when you look at Biden, we've got enough info now. We know $10 million for the family. Actually, uh, if you delve into it, we found out uh, that there's $50 million, in excess of $50 million that they've got. You've got the wow. quid pro quo 
And uh, I understand, yeah, they're going after Biden now this week, and I hope so, because the the family is worried. They really, and the Democrats are going to have to be worried, too, because when that goes down, they got nothing. They got a big, you know, you talk about a nothing cake. They got it. They've gone against Trump and everything, and the American public is on to it. They're on to Joe Biden's lies. They're mm-hmm. on to the news lies. Yep. They're on to the Democratic lies. And I hope they keep keep the pressure on because it is the American populace that has to keep the pressure on every uh, on all of them. And then that, if that's so, that ship is a sinking ship, especially when you look at different poll numbers that are going on. I mean, you know, we talked about poll numbers earlier, but you you know, you look at uh, approval ratings of Biden with the black uh, vote because they always Democrats say, well, we got the blacks, eighty mm-hmm. percent. Uh, you know, support rate. Well, it's dropped down to, uh, what was it, uh, 63%? Yeah. Which means yeah. they're 17% down drop. A 17% drop. That by itself. And the fact that Trump's biggest supporters are independents. Forget about the Republicans, the independents, but he's got the Republicans. That is not a landslide. That's a landslide with a tsunami and a major hurricane altogether. I mean, this is a, he's got a force out there that, uh, you know, people who are looking passively from the outside in at the Republican squabble between McCarthy and Gates may, may kind of agree with Maria. Like, isn't McCarthy ultimately getting you all the things you wanted? And what, why are you causing this problem? But what, what Gates was saying was, no, nah, not nah, he's doing it begrudgingly. McCarthy is doing it because he's being prodded by Gates and, and people on his side of the contest. And, and it shouldn't be that way. But he's also dragging his feet in a lot of things. You know, I'll, we'll have Hunter subpoenaed. You're right. It isn't about Hunter anymore. Hunter is toast. At some point, Hunter is going to pay the price. Although I do think, I, you may not mark my words. This is something which I think you should look forward to in the future. Do not be surprised if push comes to shove and things look really, really bad for Hunter. Don't be surprised if he turns on dear old dad. Because well, he, wrote, he, might be- he, he wrote in an email. Do you remember this? Yeah. I'm paying for you and the family, uh, and, and, and I pay all of his bills. I mean, Hunter did. He was saying all these things about not, and I have to give my money a big chunk of my money to my dad. I won't make you do that to me. He was talking, I guess, in an email to his his daughter. And I don't know whether there's a lot of love loss between uh, Hunter and dad. I could be wrong. And, I mean, the, the guy's got a lot of issues. You wonder where those issues came from. I mean, if dad's pushing you to do all these criminal things, Maybe there's a reason why Hunter becomes a drug addict and looks for love in all the wrong places as they... Uh, well, he sure as hell didn't get it at home, you know, and you got Joe crying the blues about his, his well, his lost his, life. Yeah, and, and, life and, and, and his dead son. He's always saying his dead yeah. son was, was killed in Iraq, which is not the case, but he, he doesn't... You know, he uses the death of his son many times to elicit sympathy. You know, from from people, which I think is uh, there's something warped well, about that. You know, going back to that comment I made about uh, you know the the younger people talking about people getting double duty. Could you imagine? You know, Joe didn't uh, run in 2016 because of the death and everything. You know, he was grieving and all of that, and that that opened the door for Hillary. You know, Hillary is the cause uh, that. Uh, has kept the Democrats from totally owning everything. If, Hillary, if uh, Joe would have gotten in, could you imagine the the chaos and disruption that he would have done in that one or two year term? And there would have been no Trump to show us the light and at least show us, give us a taste of how things could be and can be yeah. before he was taken out. I mean. We wouldn't be having this podcast right now. There probably wouldn't be any conservative shows. And we would be told that how happy we are and how great things are. They're trying to do that now to us. You know, we got a lucky break with Trump. We need to get that lucky break back and at least get this 
you know, the ship righted and sailing back the way it should be sailing. He's speaking in Somerville, South Carolina today, mm-hmm. and the event is sold out. So it's at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Oh, that, that, that's going to kill his poll numbers. He's got an event that's sold out? Yeah. Um, it says, I'm uh, looking at the polls here. Now, you know, this is Fox Business. I love this. They put a poll out and says that uh, Trump is leading the other also-rans in the uh, race for the presidency in the Republican Party. Uh, and they have it listed here, Trump 46%. Nikki Haley now is in second place with 18%. Ron DeSantis is at 10% and dropping. Tim Scott at 9% and Vivek Ramaswamy at 5%. Now, they say in July, Trump was at 48%. So he's actually down two percentage points between July and now. Whereas NBC, if you'll remember, uh, was up uh, nine points mm-hmm. between June and now. So these polls, it, it depends upon who you're talking to. But what's interesting about this poll, and they don't tell you this, is there's a plus and minus of 3.5%. So they tell you it's 46% when in reality he may be almost 50%. They they can't be specific. Plus or minus 3.5%. That's a 7 percentage point swing that you mm-hmm. uh, that they're saying that they have there. So they don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt, so they actually make it look like he's slipping when in reality he may actually be stronger than he was in July. But Fox Business, by the way, and Fox, they're not big Trump supporters. Okay? Right. So they're not going to give him the... They're not Everything that you see on Fox will be begrudgingly, too. Uh, but anyway, a lot of things to play today and talk about, Bill. I found this inter- interesting um, interview with one of my favorite military analysts. You know, they were talking about in that last cut about the Ukraine, Gates and Maria. And one of the finest analysts out there is a guy named Doug McGregor. Uh, Douglas McGregor was a colonel. I think we talked about this before. I've always believed that colonels are the real minds in the military. When you become a general, for the most part, you are more political. You Mm -hmm. can... You can maneuver your way into a uh, general rank, whereas colonels sometimes are a bit too blunt. Sometimes they're a bit non-political, and that's to their detriment. That you know they they don't get into the general club because they don't play the game. Right. They just tell you like it is, and that's how I feel it is. And I think McGregor is an example. He should be. A, he should have been a five-star general. The guy is smart. He knows the story. He studies the political landscape. And he doesn't give you any General Milley BS, okay? <laughs> he, uh, yeah. he tells you like it is. It, it, it's in three parts. Let's, let's play the first part now. This is Colonel Douglas McGregor. I would argue that the Ukrainian phase of the war is really over. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that the Ukrainians have been bled white. They've lost over 400,000 men killed. Some people think as much as 450,000. I don't know. Uh, Putin, in his speech, talked about 71,000 potentially dead uh, Ukrainian troops as a result of the last offensive. Again, I don't know. But anyway, you slice it, they're losing soldiers at a rate that is about the same as... uh, the Allies lost troops in World War One on the Western Front. Mm. So remember, we we fought for 110 days in the First World War, and we had 318,000 casualties. Of that number, 110,000 Americans died. So you could say that every day, every day that we fought a battle in 1918 on the Western Front, we lost a thousand men. That's the kind of loss that the Ukrainians are experiencing. Now, what does this mean? What it means is that we're into what I would call now the Biden phase of the Ukrainian war. What's the Biden phase? Well, it's the phase where the Ukrainians don't really have any troops to throw at the enemy. So now we're giving them long range strike systems, uh, 300 kilometer range missiles, 
or 500 kilometer range missiles, 300 miles, 200 miles, 150 miles. And they're lobbing these things at the Russians, primarily in Crimea. So we just saw a major attack involving 11 Storm Shadow cruise missiles. Three got through, the other eight were shot down. Uh, those three did damage to the dry docks and harbor in Sevastopol to a submarine and to a capital ship, in other words, a warship. They also managed to employ some underwater unmanned systems. Uh, they call them underwater drones or water drones. Uh, they're probably British. Uh, they did some damage to Crimea. In other words, the Ukrainians have nothing left. They don't have the artillery ammunition to support a major ground attack. So the Ukrainians are lobbing long-range strike systems at the Russians. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means that we're goading the Russians into a major offensive to end the Ukrainian war. Because the Russians are looking at this and saying, well, we've already killed what, what consists of most of the Ukrainian army. So having killed most of it, what are we going to do now about these launches? Well, we know that the Ukrainians launched some of these strike systems from the coast of southern Ukraine between the Romanian border and Odessa. Well, Odessa is on the menu. Yep. So I suppose this now means that the Russians will have to cross in the upper river, move south and seize Odessa. Uh, they can do it. The biggest problem for the Russians down there will be logistics because it has to come once again through Crimea and over the river down into Odessa. The Russians are also positioned to launch an offensive up in Kharkov, up in the northeast corner of Ukraine. Interestingly enough, the Ukrainians are evacuating people from both Kharkov and uh, Odessa. So what are we going to do? Well, we can give them more long-range strike systems. We can give them F-16s at some point, even though they're going to be very hard to employ them and they can't really sustain them. But what are we going to do? And this is, this is the key question, because we've reached the point now where we either have to say that's it, we can't do anything else because to do much else risks direct war with Russia, or uh, we get more deeply involved. We actually talk about the use of our own ground forces. Now, I don't know which way this is going to go, but I can tell you that if we're going to risk a direct confrontation with Russia, we're not prepared. We don't have the months of ammunition. We don't have the means of reinforcement. If we go to war with Russia, the Russian submarine fleet will sink everything that tries to cross the Atlantic. Can't be done. If you can't move reinforcements across the Atlantic, guess what? You're in a lot of trouble in Europe. This means that there are 32 member states who potentially now offer targets to the Russians. The Russians don't have to sit there and take damage from us from long range strike weapons. If they find out we're launching weapons from Poland, from Romania, from Slovakia, they can attack those places from Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia. Remember, they've got 300,000 troops sitting in reserve and they're continuing to quietly mobilize with the goal of reaching 1.2 million, probably in January or February of next year. So we're in a terrible position if we wanna wage war with the Russians. So why are we doing it? Why are we poking them? Why are we provoking them? Why are we giving the Ukrainians weapons with which they can attack targets inside Russia, because that's an invitation to a broader war. What they're not telling you is we've, uh, we're supporting the side that's already lost, okay? Yeah. I mean, when he said that we're losing uh, our side, meaning the Ukrainians, are losing the equivalent uh, loss of what we lost in World War One on a daily basis, Basis, we're losing a thousand. They're losing a thousand men a day. Mm -hmm. The Ukrainians. You don't hear a word about that on this side. No, Nothing. you hear a lot of positive news coming out of our propaganda machine, the uh, the media, and, and you know it sounds like they're winning the war, but they're not winning the war. If they were winning the war, all right. Here's the question for you: If you were winning the war, why would the president? of that country have to keep coming over with his hat in his hand saying, we need more money to fight this fight. Mm. Well, there's a lot of people who think he's doing it for a lot of strange reasons. Uh, 
Well, I don't and, think they're fighting with the money. Well, I think he's you know, taking it. <clears throat> a lot of people point to the fact that 60 Minutes to the story last night, I didn't see it, but I heard about it, and I'd like to find it today and see it. Apparently, it was a surprise kind of a story because they were somewhat critical of Zelensky and his government. They're using our money, for example, not to pay for more ammunition and more tanks, more more weapons. They're using it to pay for street cleaners and for government workers and salaries for the police and fire. They're they're doing they're doing things that we should be doing with that money over in the Ukraine. They're paying their civil servants their uh, their benefits and even even their retirees are getting their social security equivalency over there because of us because of this so money. So they're not really at war. Well, I mean, you you know, if you're at war, to hell with your money and everything. You got a war to fight. You know, we'll settle debts afterwards. Bill, Let's. if I if if I gave you a uh, million dollars, there'd be some strings attached. You, I would say, if, if it were a loan, I'd say I want to be able to audit what you're doing with the money on a, you know, a quarterly basis at least, so I know that you're not blowing the cash. Apparently, with all the money that we've given the Ukraine. There's been no audit, no accountability. They right. just have it. That leads to another question I have, but I'm not going to go today because I actually want to run it through the AI computer and see what it says. Because okay. uh, uh, you, you were talking about Zelensky in town. Now, yeah. this in, this interview with McGregor was done just before Zelensky came to Washington, and what he predicts in his in this answer here is what Zelensky did last right. week. This is uh, Douglas McGregor. Zelensky is coming for a $21 billion payoff. More money thrown down the rat hole when there's absolutely no chance for Zelensky to win. There never has been. And his government is really miserably unpopular inside Ukraine. Remember, they're, they're now pulling people off the streets. They're headed into the Carpathian Mountains to find any living human beings they can. They want NATO governments to round up military-age eligible Ukrainian men and ship them back to Ukraine to die in the Russian meat grinder. I mean, this is this is a catastrophe. The the inhumane dimension cannot be overstated because the wounds that these Ukrainian soldiers are receiving on the battlefield are wounds from which they, most of them will never recover. We don't know how many amputees are, but there are tens of thousands of them. I've heard some people say seventy thousand. I've heard others say sixty thousand. I mean, the whole thing is insane. There's no chance for a victory here. So what else is he going to be told while he's there? Well, I'm being told that Blinken and Newland are saying, well, we, we have to have a freeze. We have to freeze the, the battlefronts. That's the only way forward. Well, the Russians aren't going to freeze anything. The Russians have a set of demands. We have been unwilling to consider any of them. At the beginning of this whole thing, these were requests. Now they're demands that have to be met. Ukraine cannot join NATO. End of discussion. So that means Ukraine can be neutral. Now, I don't know what other conditions may be attached to it, but we can certainly live with neutrality. We don't need Ukraine and NATO. In fact, Ukraine as a neutral state is a wonderful idea. It puts almost 500 miles between us and the Russian. Why is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. But see, the larger problem is that the goals that we originally stated when I say we, I'm talking about people like Blinken and Austin and uh, Newland and Biden and Sullivan and others, was to harm Russia, harm its economy, weaken the state, potentially overthrow or remove Putin. It's all nonsense. The opposite has happened. Russia is stronger now than it's been since the 1980s. Its military establishment is probably the best of its kind. I would say certainly in Europe and maybe in the world, given the enormous armaments that they've managed to turn out, brand new equipment, the tactics they've used, the organizational construct they've built, uh, what are we, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? We're not going to get it. We're not going to get a freeze. The Russia is going to say, "Freeze yourself. Stick your head in the freezer." It's not going to happen in Ukraine. So where are we headed? Well, I'm afraid we're headed to more escalation until finally. The Russians are standing on the Polish border. And my fear has always been that we would become desperate because we can't do anything other than throw boulders at them over the wall. You know, this is sort of like siege warfare. 
If you can't take them on, what do you do? You start hurling crap over the wall. That's what we're doing. It's not going to win. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to improve our strategic position. So I'm, I'm worried about desperation in the West. Now, of course, you know, it may be, given Europe's really fragile economic condition right now, that Europe collapses financially and economically before anything gets much further. I mean, we're in trouble too. I mean, all you have to do is turn on the business channels and people say, oh, treasury yields are up. Prices for bonds are down. Nobody wants our bonds. Oh, by the way, trillions in US treasuries are being dumped by China, Saudi Arabia, the Emirates. Uh, this is not a good thing for us. We're in trouble. So you would think someone with a, any sense of balance or, or rationality would say, gee, we probably ought to find a way out of this. Let's get some sort of deal on the table and put an end to this thing. But it's not happening. That's Douglas McGregor. That's part two. We have part three in a second. What the, you're not hearing is that uh, last week Poland has decided to stop, stop supplying weapons to the Ukraine. They're done. Right. This is a big deal. Poland was giving them airplanes and tanks and was a big initial supporter. But what happened was the Ukraine complained to the uh, one of the world organizations about uh, Poland not taking enough grain or something like that from, from uh, the Ukraine. And Poland had their reasons. They didn't like the grain that was coming out. I don't blame them. Uh, you know, the, the, the country is in the middle of a... a a terrible war. I'm sure this wasn't the reason, but maybe the grain isn't top quality any, anymore. Maybe it isn't what it used to be, but Poland said, no, no more grain. So uh, the, there's a conflict there. Poland says, no more weapons. We're done. And one Polish lawmaker said, hey, forget the fact that we're, we're stopping. We're going to send you an invoice for the weapons that we sent. So uh, there's a big conflict brewing. That's a NATO country, friends, a NATO country that has had enough of the Ukrainian war. Uh, well, also, you know. also, one more thing, Bill. Zelensky, uh, to make things even stranger, he has appointed, and this is the God's honest truth, a Satanist, Marina Abramovic, to be a Ukrainian ambassador. This is, honest to God, he closes down the Ukrainian Orthodox Church and he appoints a Satanist as an ambassador. You can't write this stuff, you know? Yeah, and you know, if you worship uh, Satan, you know, you, you are religious. So to shut down, you know, you're, I don't know, you're picking your religions there and they're worshiping the devil and that's, and we're and a we're, Christian country. We're on the wrong side if we're on a we're, side. Well, you know what? You sit there, we talk about the NATO nations and Poland and everything like that and uh, Ukraine and, and Russia and who's winning the war and we're being lied to, you know, and I think Putin's about had enough of the United States and, you know, he's already challenging our currency. You know, because it's it's the currency of the world, but uh, it's got some problems. And if it falls, that's big. That's a big problem for us, mm -hmm. uh, the, the way it works. But you know, if if the uh, if the um, the NATO nations they disband, or that that alliance falls apart, Russia wins. We go to war with Russia. You know, I think uh, the general pointed it out. Uh, you know, and uh, the first part of it, they win because us trying to do anything with the munitions or anything in the Atlantic, they have control there. Yeah, and also we haven't got a system in place right now that's generating backup ammunition. You know, no. uh, we're, our, our supply system has either been put on, on hold or it's just not working at all. But uh, McGregor also wrapped the interview up with this. About, he was talking about Putin's meeting with Kim Jong-un uh, in Moscow a couple of weeks ago. Listen. What Putin has done is sent a clear and unambiguous signal to us. You refuse to cooperate with us. You won't talk with us. You won't negotiate with us. You continue to try and harm us. Fine. Then we will provide to Mr. Kim the missile body and the warhead that he needs to have an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile, that can mount a nuclear warhead and if necessary, reach 
targets in the United States. So he's done that. Xi in Beijing has always fought that and objected to it. Chinese don't like North Korea. North Korea is a, a dangerous catalyst for conflict. The Chinese are about stability, not war. And the Chinese have enormous problems at home themselves. Problems with unemployment, problems with real estate, problems with corruption. But the Chinese have relented and told Putin, all right, you can do it. Give Kim this capability. The capability is designed to terrify the hell out of us. You know what? It works. I'm not reassured in the least that Mr. Kim has this capability. I don't think he's crazy, but I don't like the idea that he's got it. And by the way, keep your eye on Cuba, Venezuela, Mexico, Colombia, Latin America, because things there could get very dicey very quickly. We have open borders. We don't know what's going on in Mexico and Central America in most cases. The places are overrun with Russian and Chinese influence, agents, spies, intelligence officers. All of these can contribute to one hell of an explosion inside the United States when they wanted to. We're not thinking about that. If we had any brains at all, we'd secure the border, start rounding up illegals and boot them out. We're not doing it. We're not enforcing our own laws anywhere. Criminality is out of control. It certainly is. Douglas McGregor, yeah. Colonel Douglas McGregor. And we've said that so many times, Bill. We have yeah. got criminals. We've got agents of other governments in our country right now working against 75, us. 75,000 have been identified. 75,000, um, when, when I say identified, I'm talking about bona fide terrorists have come across the border. And they are in the country. So we're talking about rounding up illegal aliens. We're going to give them a license and a right to vote. You have a, a, a foreign influence that's going to have a, a right to vote in our elections yeah. coming up. That's wrong number one. Wrong number two is, well, we do need to round them up and get them out of here. But they're an armed force. And there are things that are missing in the United States right now. It's almost like somebody has got the power in place to sit there Let's destroy the United States from within itself. We'll give them the tools to blow things up. We'll bring in their soldiers to do it. And then if we do get, let's say, Trump in, Trump's going to be the bad guy for rounding them up. And then they're going to sit there and say, all right, it's time to open up the gates of hell and all hell breaks loose. And on our soil, for the first time in our lifetime as a nation, things will blow up here. Besides, I'm not talking a World Trade Center. I'm talking about major destruction Cities. get ready for it folks yeah uh we don't know where that ammonium nitrate that uh, 30 tons sixty thousand pounds of ammonium nitrate uh, oh, that they lost. on the track for yeah. over 60 or 80 they miles, gave a lame miles. excuse yeah, sure, yeah. a lame 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 excuse we don't know where that is there was rocket fuel that was uh taken they don't know where that mm -hmm. went either uh, there's a bunch of stuff that's gone missing. Also, nobody has given us a, a really good explanation as to why the Chinese government has bought all this property. I mean, acres upon acres of, of property, most of them next to government sites, most of them next to government bases. First of all, that should be illegal in and of itself. That should be one of the things that a congressman should put forth right now in Congress saying uh, that land next to a government installation, a military base, can only be sold to an American citizen with, with a good reason. It can't be a pass-through either, meaning you can't have an American agent buy it for you and then hand it to a, 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 a country you know, like China. You can't do that. Uh, and I and I would also say that I would, as a government, say to the, the, those countries that own those properties, effective immediately, we're going to pay you fair market value for that property, but you can no longer own it. You have to dissolve yourself of it within ninety days. We will have the check for you, and the government will the government will take over that property. That's how I don't it should even be. know. I don't even know that we have to pay them back for it because, you know, when you buy something. You own it, but you don't own it. Well, you know, you know we seize we seize cars from uh, drug dealers and stuff. Yeah, I'm, you're you're right. Maybe we just seize it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know, especially when you look at, you know, they're right next to a military installation. Do you have a good reason for that to be? Yes, we're making widgets. Well, can we see the widgets and what they do? What's this computer over here do? What's that antenna do? Why is it aimed at that base? And why do you have, you know, confidential classified military? You know what? Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here now. You're done. Hey, oh, you um, want to rumble over this? We'll rumble. We are almost finished, but I, I think we should leave with a little smile. Um, Roseanne Barr was uh, on, on with... Gotta love her. Yeah, she was on with Charlie Kirk. I never would have dreamed back in the day that Roseanne Barr would be a conservative, but she is, at least a libertarian. Mm -hmm. She was talking with Charlie Kirk, who uh, runs Turning Point USA, and yeah. uh, they were having a little fun. They did a, a word association game. Listen. First thing that comes to mind throughout this list, Zelensky. Criminal. Putin. Uh, scary. Elon Musk. Scary. Donald Trump. Uh, King. Hillary Clinton. No, uh, Satan. <laughs> Michelle Obama. Satan. <laughs> Joan Rivers. Mm, victim. Of? Satan. <laughs> Kamala Harris. Satan. LeBron James. Uh, cuckoo. Tucker Carlson. King. Jimmy Kimmel. Freak. I'm going to save a good one for last. Nancy Pelosi. Satan's boss. Satan's boss. <laughs> wow. You know, she would make a good AI voice. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's an idea. Uh, that's Roseanne Barr, who, by the way, you know, she was removed from the ABC program, the follow-up program that they yeah. released, uh, I guess, about five or six years ago. Uh, and it was a hit, but she said something that was conservative, and it drove the left woke uh, people who run ABC Wild, the, the Disney company, they drove them nuts, so they removed her from the show. And, you know, they, they took the Roseanne out of Roseanne, essentially, and uh, which I, I don't think it ever really. I mean, he got numbers. They kept it on the air. But I partially think that they kept it on the air because they wanted to make a point. You know, even if the numbers weren't the greatest, they were going to keep that show on the air. You know, they wanted to show that they could live without her. Yeah. And you know what? I don't know that they really showed her that. But, you know, they've tried to punish her, you know, for having an opinion. Now, when we thought that she was a lefty back in the old days, you know, okay, that was her right uh, to do that. I don't know that she really was. You know, she was, she was showing you the the, uh, you know, just the craziness of life. She wasn't you know? being, yeah, she wasn't being really political. But we all, no, we all kind of thought, ah, they're yeah, probably a leftist. She she wasn't. She's a an articulate. Um, thoughtful person and that the left doesn't like it but anyway we've done it bill uh we've talked we've gone on it was it's been an interesting program um yeah it, our number is 833-538-7868 833-538-7868 and you have uh something you want to tell the people right we have something new that you've been working on no no I, it's still being worked on but yeah you can pull it up the uh uh, jimandbill.com. Yeah, we, we own jimandbill.com, which like was kind of weird. It was kind of weird. And the only reason for it is, is because people get confused sometimes with it's another day, which will not go away. That is the podcast name. We're just the host, but we just thought, well, if you type in Jim and Bill, uh, the SEO is still not up on it, but, uh, and it's, it's a work in progress. And basically, you know, you click on the podcast, it goes right to our page. What's interesting, uh, we find out, Bill, that a lot of people just think of us as Jim and Bill. Yeah. You know? And so, so yeah, if you want the email, you click it, it brings up the page. So you just type your little thing. It's, and, you know, it's already phone savvy. And But I do but, think, you want to tell, you want to give them the email addresses? Sure. It's yeah. um, mail at itsanotherday.com. Uh, there's also mail at jimandbill.com, which that site actually is what it uses. And then there's uh, jimandbill at mail.com. So we've got you covered every which way but loose. And uh, again, I have, you a, know, if you've I have got a request here. Oh, geez. I have a request here. This is from uh, a person, one of our listeners says they like the idea of jimandbill.com, but they have a better idea for 
uh, for another oh. website that you can work on. Oh, jeez. And it would be the ending of our program that you say every show. You know what I'm talking oh. about. Hasta la vista, baby. We're out of here. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million? <laughs>